Hey, welcome back. This week, it's all about the details. Nobody needs to tell you why you should love a film. You just know when you do. Hi, my name's Nisha. I'm 11 years old and I'm from Belmont, Dublin. I love seeing a movie for the first time and seeing, like, expecting what comes next. My favourite film is The Labyrinth with David Bowie in it. Who are you? I've brought you a gift. It's basically about this girl and she's sick of minding her baby brother every weekend when she wants to do other stuff. She read this book about this goblin king who takes away children. She summons him and she realised she made a big mistake and has to go through this big labyrinth to try to find him in time or else she turns into a goblin. See? There's nothing to be afraid of. This is episode 9, and the one thing I wanted to achieve in the series was to prove that movies are magic. It's the title of the podcast, you dummy. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But just in case, I want a reminder of why you find them so magical. Movies are magic because they can make a person feel anything at any time whenever they watch them. Movies are magic because they're very funny and entertaining, and time passes by very fast when you watch them. Movies are magic because they make you love some characters and make you really hate others. Movies are magic because they can bring back animals which aren't alive or extinct and they can get the fantasy animals alive again. For example, dragons and leprechauns. Movies are magic because some movies you can get hooked in and really want to watch it, but some you can not like it that much. And you can, like, feel different ways. Yeah, different emotions. I've covered a lot of bases in the last few episodes, and some of them were very specific. The one thing you begin to realise when you delve into the credits is just how intricate a process filmmaking really is. Take Labyrinth, for example, Nisha's favourite. That was a close collaboration between puppeteers, production designers, musicians, the director, and countless others playing their part in a team. A team building a universe which is truly magic. In today's show, I want to focus on that effort. The music box mechanism of movie making. The time people take to make sure that the finished film is as good and as real for them and the audience as it possibly can be. And there's nothing more intricate in movie making than stop motion. Sha, give us a good one. This week we're going to talk about Fantastic Mr. Fox from 2009 by Wes Anderson based on the book by Roald Dahl. Foxy, you're on. We're ready. Fantastic Mr. Fox is about a fox who used to be a great hunter and then got married and had a child and he's still a little bit tempted to go off and try to kill chickens. Are you scared of wolves? Scared? No. I have a phobia of them. Well, I have a thing about thunder. The book Fantastic Mr. Fox is quite a tiny book and this film has been expanded to be an hour and a half long or whatever. You might be sceptical about how you pull that story out to that length. So basically the book is pretty much just about a fox that goes off and steals chickens from these three farmers, Boggus, Bunce and Bean, who are just like villainous, awful men. And it's about you watching the fox outfox these men. Is that all you've got, Mr. Fox? Wes Anderson is a filmmaker who makes films mostly for grown-ups. His style is very whimsical and he also really likes to make films about families. So either families, real families or constructed families like friends who come together to create little worlds together or the complicated mess that is families and extended families. What he's done with Fantastic Mr. Fox is he has made it be about family and community. In the film 
there's consequence to what Mr. Fox does. Mr. Fox loves his wife and his son, Ash. His son, Ash, is a bit grumpy because he's a teenager and he feels uh, a bit on the pipette. outside of things. Pipette. Oh, sorry. Potassium trial. What are you looking at? Oh, no. And he's he's kind of constantly competitive with his cousin Christofferson, who's perfect in every way, and Ash is just not able for it. Why is your cousin such a wet sandwich? I beg your pardon? What's that mean? That means I, I didn't understand what you just said. A wet sandwich? Yeah, a wet sandwich. He's too short, he dresses like a girl, he's different. And then Mrs. Mrs. Fox is uh, voiced by Meryl Streep, and she is a very calm woman who never loses her temper, yet paints pictures of landscapes but with terrible thunderstorms on them. So you always feel like with Mrs. Fox that she's kind of like always really calm on the surface and quietly processing being really annoyed at Mr. Fox all the time. I think she's a really clever character. I'm going to lose my temper now. When? Right now. Well, when? (laughs) But really then what happens is that Mr. Fox is tempted to steal some chickens from the farmers and then how that lapse in judgment affects his family because then they become the target of these farmers who want to get rid of the foxes. His family kind of have to pay the price. I'm not leaving here without that necktie. This is stop motion animation, which is quite different to other animation in that you have models and you're moving them ever so slightly and taking a photograph or a picture (laughs) um, and then moving it again and again and again. Very, very slow process. And it's really nice because what you're seeing is actual tangible touchable models so you're not seeing something created by a computer or something painted or something drawn you're seeing like a doll basically being moved it's an extremely difficult thing to do it's not done that much anymore you know like if you saw something like the nightmare before Christmas think that was uh, that was stop motion animation James and the Giant Peach which is another role style adaptation was stop motion animation Wes Anderson as a filmmaker is known to be a perfectionist as well so that's one of his things his films always look really perfect so I think stop motion animation while it probably is something he enjoys it might be difficult for the people who have to work with him (laughs) the themes of the film are probably for older children so I would imagine the character of Ash who's his son who's probably about 12 12 in fox years (laughs) he's probably the person you need to be his age to relate to properly because really what you're seeing is like him watching his dad just messing up and being an idiot and trying to fix the problems that he has created You're supposed to be my lab partner I am No you're not You're disloyal So I suppose younger children will find a lot in the like cute animals and the running around. But I think for older children and teenagers and beyond, I think there's a lot in it about coming to terms with the problems that are caused by grown ups sometimes. Are you cussing with me? No, you cussing with me. Don't cuss in point. You're going to cuss with someone. You're not going to cuss with me. I would describe Fantastic Mr. Fox as quirky, funny and engaging. You can watch Fantastic Mr. Fox on Amazon. Is that it? Thanks, Shah. I recently rewatched this with a five and nine year old. Both of them enjoyed it equally, and I love it too. Take this movie out. Wes Anderson is a filmmaker who's known for his meticulousness. What's that word, Nicky? Meticulousness? You're making it up. I am, and it's the attention to detail in every single scene. In almost every one of his films, every frame's a painting. He and other filmmakers like him think of every aspect, top down, and making their script come alive. From the picture to the lighting to the story they're trying to tell. And one aspect that's almost invisible when it's done correctly is sound design. But it's the thing that can make the world of a film feel more realistic than any amount of CGI. 
So my name is Steve Fanagan, and I work as a sound designer, a supervising sound editor, and a sound re-recording mixer for film and television. The thing to really think about when you think about film is that there's all sorts of people involved, and one of the lovely things about film is that every job you see on the end roller of a film or of a TV show is someone who has a specialization in a particular area of filmmaking. So when you think about like a costume designer, that's the person who's responsible for all of the clothing that people will wear. And that's all meticulously thought about. And all of that clothing that's presented on screen needs to feel true to the film or the TV show that it's in and needs to feel like it's the type of wardrobe that the actor would wear. And the same is true for locations and for production design. All of those details... Uh, so production design is sort of anything that's in the frame of the film. So if you're looking at someone's living room, there will be meticulous choices made about the sofa or, you know, the, the coffee table or where the TV is. And all of those things will hopefully have some sort of meaning for the story that's been told on screen and for the characters that are involved. So a sound designer has the same responsibilities, but just in terms of the sound. The sound in film breaks down into three main areas. First of all, we have the dialogue. So that's any sort of speaking between people on screen. And most of the time that material is recorded as the film or the TV show is being shot. There is a location sound team and their job is to make sure to capture the dialogue on set as cleanly as possible. But because they're focused on the dialogue, they don't focus on any of the other sounds. And so when it comes to sound post-production, we then work on all of the other sounds that you might hear in the film. So in a really simple way, our job is to sort of try to pick and assemble environmental sounds. Like, say, if you're in a housing estate somewhere in Dublin, you'll try and pick the right bird song that might be in the background. You might pick the type of traffic that would be driving by. You might pick, you know, the sound of some kids playing in the distance or someone kicking a football. But it, it can also be tiny sounds, like the sound of a room. If you sit really still where you are right now and you just listen you'll suddenly realize that there's all sorts of sounds going on around you. And so from a sound design point of view and a sound effects editing point of view, we're trying to assemble all of those sounds that we think would fit into a scene as we're watching it in a film or a TV show. And then obviously because it's filmmaking, we're making all these choices and assembling all this material, but then we're presenting it to our director and allowing them then to respond to how they feel about the sounds we've picked and whether they feel truthful to the world of the film and to the story that they're trying to tell. So it's not it's not like literal sound. It's trying to pick sounds that feel evocative and interesting and truthful to what's going on on screen. My engagement with the director usually begins at what we call a spotting session. Myself and maybe the dialogue supervising sound editor will sit down with the director and probably with their editor as well, their film editor, and we'll watch a cut of the film together. And we'll watch it stopping and starting as we go and work through scene by scene or sequence by sequence. And we'll discuss the sort of sound ideas that they might have. And hopefully in that situation, we may have been given an opportunity to watch the film in advance as well. So we're going into that meeting with a whole bunch of sound ideas in our heads. Sometimes when we're really lucky, we, our first conversation with our director might be before they even shoot anything, so in pre-production. And at that point, we will have read a script. 
So we might start talking about things from the script that we feel would be interesting sound-wise for drama and story. And what I tend to do then is I will, if I've had that access to the script, I'll start building a sound library of sounds that I think will be useful for the film or the TV show that we're going to work on. And sometimes that involves me going to places and recording things, depending on what's in the film. That could be recording a very specific type of car, say. So if our main character, for example, drives a Ford Fiesta, a Ford Fiesta sounds like no other car. You know, it's got a very particular engine size and it'll be a particular year and model. So you want to go and record the sound of the precise vehicle so that when you are then putting that sound back onto the picture later in the process that it's the right sound. There's no point in using a Ferrari for a Ford Fiesta. You're trying to be really exact in what you're doing. So music is always part of film work. And as the film editor and director are working on the picture edit, they're going to be playing with music. So that music is always there in the tracks as I work on my end of it. And so I constantly am referencing the music because what you're trying to do with the sound design is you're trying to make sure that it can work alongside music. What you don't want is for the two things to fight each other uh, to a point where it's more So part of the sound design is, uh, is being sort of very aware of what music is doing and making sure that our sound design work is working in a way that the two things can work together. Some sound design can be very musical. I mean, if you think about sort of big Hollywood blockbuster films, if you think about Star Wars, loads of those iconic, beautiful sounds from Star Wars are very musical. So like a lightsaber, the sound of it is a very musical, detailed sound. But it's not playing a melody. It's not something that's going to interfere with what's happening with the music. And so you're just trying to pick things that while they might be musical or they might be characterful, you're trying to make sure that they stand out from the music so that the two things can work together. So one film I I worked on last year was a film that's called Radioactive and it's by an Iranian director called Marjan Satrapi. Science is changing. And the very people who are running science are the people who believe the world is flat. And I'm going to prove them wrong. Well, it's a film about Marie Curie and her life. It's also a film about radioactivity, and it's about the discovery of it, but also the legacy of it. So how her brilliant work in discovering what radioactivity was and giving it a name has led to cancer treatments, but also to nuclear power and, and also to nuclear weapons. You know? So there's a trickle through time of the work that she did. It's a very visually beautiful and adventurous film. So it allowed us with the sound to kind of be adventurous as well. So sometimes we were literally trying to figure out what the sound of radioactivity is. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't essentially have a sound. You know, if you put a Geiger counter onto something that's radioactive, it'll click and tell you it's radioactive. But the actual the idea of this magic glowing substance doesn't have a sound. And so you end up a lot of the time with sound design trying to come up with sounds for things that don't exist and, and, and wouldn't necessarily have a sound, but emotionally and story-wise and, and excitement-wise for the viewer watching the film can can have a sound because that sound in some way emulates a feeling. It, it, it sort of goes, this is exciting. It says that it's this humming, glowing object, but it's not a literal thing. So I think if you're making your own film, if it's you on your own or you have some people helping you out, 
it's really important to think about how you're going to record the sound that you need to capture while you're filming, whether that's someone talking or someone walking or whatever action might be going on screen. So capture that sound as best you can, because that's going to sort of be the basis of your of the sound for your film. And, and then if you're somewhere, like if you're in a garden and you're shooting someone running around the garden, it can be good to do a take where you just record the sound of the running. Forget about filming it. Just record the sound of the running or record the sound of the garden because there, say there, there might be a nice dog barking somewhere or there might be a nice bird singing or, you know, there's any number of sounds that are going on in that space that if you record them separately, when it comes to you sort of piecing your film together, you can add them to your soundtrack. It's really important just to think about sort of collecting sounds that you think will be useful to whatever is happening in your film so that you have a little library of things that you can add. If you think about things that you watch, often as a viewer, we don't mind if the picture is a bit shaky or it's a bit messy, but when we can't hear what someone's saying, it tends to be really frustrating as a viewer. You really want to hear what the characters in your film are saying because otherwise it's hard to know what they're feeling and it's hard to know what the story is. So it's really important to try and capture that sound as clearly as possible. And then it gives you something that you can add sounds to and, and create something that's even you know more detailed. You know, the important sound always starts with your, your speaking parts on set. It's a field that's really open to anyone. The work that I do is always in service of a film and in service of the director that I'm working with. And I love that. I love being able to help them figure out what the sound for their film is. So I think you have to really want to collaborate and, and, and be a team player type of person. I can't thank Steve enough. Radioactive is available to stream online now. Okay, Shah mentioned stop motion as something that's time-consuming and quite hard work. You should try planning a podcast. You seem to be able to do it, and we always thought you were late coming out of nappies. Granny! Oh, anyway, Sean is no stranger to taking time with his films. What are you going to talk about today, Sean? Stop motion animation. Stop motion is how being a YouTuber really got started for me. I used to watch a YouTuber called Michael Hickox Films, who actually is still loading to this day, and he is this really talented Lego stop motion animator, and his videos really inspired me to make my own. Pizza! I used my Nintendo 3DS to make stop motion animations when I first got started. However, nowadays you can use apps on phones or tablets. For example, Stop Motion Studio is available on both iOS and Android devices. What you have to do is have your phone or tablet stay still as you take photos. You can use walls, books or tripods to do this. I'll balance mine on a bag of sticks. As always, get as creative as you can with it. You can use Lego pieces, clay figures or really any items as your subjects in these videos. Take a photo, then move your character just a little bit, then take another photo and then move the character again and so on. Has it just me or has that guy like been moving my arm ever so slightly? Over and over again for like six hours now. Eventually, you'll have a character moving through your shot. Now this process can be very slow and you do have to be patient with it at first. I know that the idea of moving a character only a little bit with each shot can seem kind of daunting or maybe just a little bit boring. But trust me, when you have a shot of a character moving completely by itself, it is so satisfying. And it is a really great way to get creative with filmmaking. You know, it took seven days for me to walk from this side of the Lego to that side, but I think it's worth it. 
Now, before jumping right into this form of animation, I recommend watching some videos online about it first. If you're interested, you could even watch some videos from Michael Hickok's films. This would be a great way of getting inspiration for making your own stop-motion videos. Once you know what to do, think of a story. Think about what your characters are going to do in it. Then, start taking the photos. And give me smiley face, smiley face, blue steel duck lips. As I mentioned, you really do need patience to carry out stop motion, as it does take quite a long time. But trust me, the effort is always worth it. Sean, your dinner's ready. Mom, I'm just completing this shot of Lego Spider-Man doing splits. Okay. Everyone has to start somewhere with stop motion. And you could have the next Wallace and Gromit hiding in your old tubs of Play-Doh. Get out that Play-Doh and start making your own stop motion animation. Well, that went as well as could be expected, didn't it? If you have a box of Lego at home, why not start making a film? There's a free app called Stop Motion Studio that you could ask your folks to look into. If you do make the next Lego movie, send it our way. Junior at rte.ie Why not make a movie now? A few episodes back, director Frank Berry talked about how there's no film without words and the story's at the centre of it. I know we have plenty of listeners who are budding storytellers. Hi, I'm Sean. I'm age 11, almost 12, and I live in Dublin. I enjoy writing books, but I also enjoy like writing plays and movies and like TV series. I'd say books give me inspiration and kind of gives me motivation to do it. But then TV series gives me ideas. When you're making a film, you can get inspiration from anywhere. Sean, pitch us your film. What's it about? It's about um, four boys and one guy was taken by the government. It sounds like Stranger Things, but just hear me out, it's not. They meet this monster who's good. Hey dudes, he's up for milkshakes. But then he's an evil brother. Hey, your milkshakes. And then they kind of have to just stop him because the evil brother wants to bring all of the monsters into the real world. We're sorry, your call cannot be completed as dialed. Please check the number and dial again. And he needs to get all the chemicals to open up a portal from our world to their world. So then all of his kind will come and like take over Earth. And um, yeah, that's basically it. Hey, what? Don't I get to say good day? In a sequel, you dummy. Ooh, can I play a guard that gets eaten by a monster in the sequel? No? Mm, never mind. Right, more films to watch. I'm not going to tie myself entirely to stop motion, but instead I'm suggesting a few that work like well-oiled machines. Firstly, Mouse Hunt. Its director, Gore Verbinski, went on to helm three of the Pirates of the Caribbean films. But this is a plot in perpetual motion. Two brothers, an old house, and a mouse that won't let go. I don't think we'll be seeing any more of that. Ah! If he snaps one of these babies, one of them has to nab him. Next, one that's in French. You're so pretentious, Nicky. I haven't. Anyway, it's the pictures that tell the story, and it's only 30 minutes long. The Red Balloon is the story of a boy following a floating balloon through the streets of Paris on a really epic adventure. And lastly, 
let's add a stop motion. I love everything the animators like I make, but top in the heap for me is box trolls. But sometimes there are boxes. And that's it. I'm inspired by the hard work and dedication of all the filmmakers out there. I'm abandoning my other film ideas. It's Lego all the way for me now. I want a story idea that brings together a need for amazing sound, dramatic developments, something that really feels challenging for the lead characters. I have the very story, Nikki. Yeah? That sounds just like the time you pulled your pants. What? I remember it like it was yesterday. It was your 13th birthday. Roll the theme song! books make me happy. I like reading because it's like going into another world. I love reading because it's really fun. Do you love reading? Would you say you love books? Oh, that's cool, because here on We Love Books, my name is Neve, and I love kids' books. I like reading about animals. I like reading about revolting children. Well, if you love books, listen to We Love Books wherever you get your podcasts. Happy listening and happy reading. I like scary stories and unicorns. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm scared. laughs>